Hello everyone, welcome to the Arseholics podcast and Mize is now going to sing a rendition of Louis Dunford's <laughs> The Angel. Go, bang. You're going to no, join me? Um, oh, I was going to do it. Are you actually going to do it? I thought we were going to do it together. No, no I don't. Oh, yeah, we might lose our subscriber. So. Yeah, we're trying to grow listeners, not lose them. If we get top four, if we get top four, we'll have to do a rendition. Fair. Look, I'm sorry. Um, sorry for the unconventional start to the podcast. We're like, I mean, it's a bit, bit of a strange mood. I think we're, I'm a little bit pissed still, I think. It's a little bit. <laughs> I, I think there's a little, a little, little bit of an edge, a little <laughs> bit of an edge. So uh, look, we're recording a couple of hours on the whistle. Um, it's been a really fun day at the Emirates. Oh, fun, fun is probably not the right word. It's been emotional, but fun in parts. So uh, you've got Raj here, you've got Aaron and Mice with me. There's the three of us on today. Hello, boys. You right? Yeah, man. Good evening. Good. Just about over that. Just about over that. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it was a really sunny day, really, really hot day, a bit of heat stroke going on. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of pressure going, going into that game. And it was like a, a fabulous day for football and geez, I mean, what a day. And we're going to get into, you know, the, the specifics of the game, but I think, you know, the, the thing that everyone really cares about is what does it, what does it mean? So we have won today. We've beaten Leeds just, but whatever, again, we'll get onto that. We've won, um, Tottenham drew yesterday and, uh, all of a sudden the, the North London Derby is dawning upon us on Thursday and there's a whole bunch of different scenarios that can mean a whole bunch of different things. But guys, I mean, how do you feel now, uh, Aaron and Arsenal's kind of top four, top four kind of certainty can be made on Thursday. I mean, how do you feel? (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I still, I still go back to, how I felt after we lost those three games against uh, Southampton Palace and Brighton, yeah. not in that order, but I was like, we're done, right? We're, it's, it's over. Yeah, you, so said be, you said a miracle. I was like, it's a miracle. I said, it's 99% certain we are not getting top four. Yeah. I think I came on, you can play the quote, and I've never been more delighted to be wrong. Um, like, just to, to get back into this situation where we can go there on Thursday and with a win it'll be done with two games to go is it's just ridiculous when you, when you think about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, we'll talk about Thursday and how, like how we're all feeling, but you know, four wins on the bounce today was a bit sketchy and, you know, a lot more uncomfortable than it needed to be. But at this stage of the season, it's just about getting, getting it done, getting those wins and getting over the line. And yeah, I'm, I think I'm I'm looking forward to Thursday. I think the pressure now of we can win it there, not win it, but like, you know, get it done there at their place will be terrifying for Spurs. And whether that will motivate them or whether that will put even more pressure on them, I'm looking forward to like seeing. But yeah, fair play to the team, fair play to Mikel Arteta. Um let's yeah. Bring on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, my, my yeah, we're we're in a situation now, right? Where if we if we beat Spurs in the North London derby on Thursday, Arsenal are at least fourth. So Arsenal get Champions League football if we win on Thursday. If Arsenal draw on Thursday, then they need one win out of their two games, regardless of even even if Spurs you know win the two, their two games after that. If Arsenal just get a draw in the NLD, 
then just one win out of those final two games is enough for Arsenal. Um, what's your feeling right now? Do you are you are you optimistic? Are you still really nervous? Or, you know, how confident are you? Yeah, I mean, look, after Spurs got that draw yesterday, um, I was, I like we were messaging about about this, and it wasn't necessarily just them gaining a point that maybe a lot of people didn't expect them to get, um, considering how good Liverpool have been this season, but it was also the sort of confidence that gives them going into the North London derby. Um, and I, that was a big concern for me. So it was very much a case of, you know, we absolutely need to win to kind of put the pressure back onto Spurs, which obviously we've now done. And I think you go into the North London derby with a four-point cushion. I don't think you could have asked for, I mean, obviously it would have been nice to have five points, but four-point cushion, knowing that, yeah, as as Aaron and said, win it, win the derby and you've secured top four and you've also ensured that Spurs don't get Champions League football next season would be, it, 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 it would be massive. And I'm feeling pretty confident because I guess if you look at it like this, right, the players are coming off the win, like our players are coming off that win today, preparing for the game on Thursday and they must be saying to each other, they obviously know, right, what's at stake. They obviously know what they can go and do and they must be, they must be fully aware of teams in the past that have done quite special things. And, and obviously I'm talking about you know, winning the league at certain grounds, winning the league at White Hart Lane previously. And obviously this isn't necessarily at that level, but at the same time, if this team goes to White Hart Lane and wins and we get Champions League football on that on Thursday night, that will go down. Uh, I mean, it'll go down in history, but for Arsenal fans, for everything we've said about this kind of young team, young manager, it's a project, everything that we've said about them this season and the last couple of couple of years, I think, you know, I think it's a very, very big deal. And I think the players are, must be fully aware of that and they must badly, badly, badly want to go and do it. They must absolutely be desperate to go and go and win. And I think, yeah. And I think the fact that they can go and play kind of pre- like the pressure is on Spurs, really Spurs can't, Spurs have to win. Um, they have yeah. to win. So the pressure is all on them. And I think that, could I mean look? I don't want to jump the gun and say we're going to go and win, but uh, that that could play into our hands. Um, so overall, I'm I mean look, four points clear with three games to go. You like that's unreal, really. To be honest, when you look at it like that, we're 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 in fourth. We've got the points on the board. It's not about games in hand anymore or anything like that. You know, we're there and we know exactly what we need to do. It's in our hands. So yeah, of course, I'm massively, massively confident and positive. But you mentioned the age thing, which is interesting, right? So, Aaron, and for you, so you know, we've got the youngest manager, we've got the youngest team, um, and if you flip it, then Spurs have got one of the most experienced managers in European football at the moment, one of the highest paid managers in European football. Mm-hmm. He's he's been there, done that, won titles, won all kinds of things. Is just you know a top top manager, genuinely top manager. Um, they've got two truly world-class players in their team in, in Kane and Son. So um, but taking everything into account, who's feeling more pressure going into the North London derby? Spurs, I think. I, I think the four-point cushion is very big, right? And yeah, of course, we'd have loved it to have been five, but just the fact that we could lose that game and still have a one-point gap... I think takes the pressure off this team a bit. And like I said, we're a young team with a young manager and we we have no idea how this team are going to react on Thursday. We've never been with this team in a game of this magnitude 
we've never seen how these players react to a run-in. We've never seen how these players react to injuries, to pressure and to going into a, a derby. I mean, it's the first time we've gone into to play at that stadium with fans, right? Mm. With away fans anyway. And you know, there's all of these little things that are going to come into it. But ultimately, it still comes back to Spurs do need to come out and beat us. And, you know, are they capable of doing it? Of course they are. They're a very, very good team, unfortunately. But I, you know, I look at this team and I, the one thing I'm confident we'll do is we'll set up tactically efficiently. Like we'll get the game plan. We'll have a game plan and we'll do our best. We'll have something planned for Son. We'll have something planned for Kane. We'll have something planned for their fullbacks. And it will be, I think the interesting thing is Spurs, like you said, like I said, Spurs have to come out and beat us. So they need to find something to go and beat us. And that's over the last four games, teams have proven that that's that's actually quite hard to do. Mm. Um, So, so yeah, I think the pressure is all on Spurs and hopefully we can take advantage of that. I think tactically it'll be really interesting to see, do we try and nullify them or do they try and nullify us? Well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, because, because, you know, it is, it, it, basically a situation right where we either go for the jugular and we win and then it's all over so you you go for the knockout blow or do you kind of say all right you know you play conservatively you try and make sure you don't lose you take a draw and then kind of see it to the final two games I think I think you have to play conservatively because just because it's Spurs and you know the last thing you want to do against Spurs is come at them and try and attack them because they will you know they will eat up all that space we leave behind. And, you know, Kane and Son would, will, you know, will try and hit us on the counter very quickly. I think the best thing and where we've seen Spurs struggle is when they play a deep block and a defensively minded team, they struggle, they run out of ideas and then their defense doesn't hold up and they concede goals. Um, it's a bit like, it's a bit like the Arsenal of old, to be honest. But um, so, yeah, I think we should try and sit back. We should say don't score. And then we'll go from there and hopefully we can get something going forward. Well, Mice, do you agree with that? And if you agree with him, how do you actually see that manifesting then on Thursday? If, we, if we're not going to go for the jugular, like, do you see him going for a defensive lineup? Do, do you see him changing things up at all? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sort of disagree. Like, I think it's obviously, yeah, like in terms of making sure we're stable defensively, of course, that's going to be massive and that's going to be important. And we don't want to be putting ourselves in a position where we're sort of chasing the game early on. But I think what has happened over the last few games with sort of some of the issues that have come about with the injuries that we've had, namely Tierney and Partey, we've obviously experimented with a couple of options, Tavares, um, Lokonga, and then we've gone to, well, today, Tommy Asso at left back. Obviously, El Elneny's kind of made that central midfield uh, spot. Uh, his own he's basically made himself undroppable and I feel like where we where a few games ago we had kind of problems uh, in terms of who was going to start and how were we going to set up I I feel like the the results themselves and the performances have, have you know we, we basically sorted that out um, so I think we go into Spurs with a pretty settled team I don't actually anticipate any changes I think we were talking about this earlier right about does he bring Tavares back in at left back. Does he switch to a back three? I personally don't think he will because I think if you switch to a back three against Spurs, I think that's that's sending the wrong. I just think it's sending the wrong message. To be honest, I think that's basically sending the message saying that you know we're we're quite we're we're a little bit afraid of what you guys can do, um, and we're going to come and and 
kind of see how the game pans out. We'll try and win it. But, you know, if we could take a draw, we'll take a draw. And I don't think, I don't know, I'm not sure Arteta will want to approach the game like that. I think I think he'll go for it in the sense, yeah, I think he'll stay, still play four at the back. I think the Tom, Tommy Asset left back today was very, very impressive. Like there was a bit of a question mark over that just because I don't think he's ever played there for us before. If, mm. if, I don't I don't believe so. And he like, yeah, he basically did. He, like you wouldn't say that it was a right back playing left back when you watched that performance today. Um, and I think he's obviously a lot more solid than um, Tavares and Aaron. And you made a great point in the pub afterwards that Martinelli had a good game, probably or had a better game than recently, probably as a result of having Tommy Asu behind him and having that kind of solid cover essentially. Um, so I think all in all, I think we, I, I. I I personally think we'll go into the game, into the Spurs game, set up quite similar to today, um, assuming it, you know, there's no kind of fitness issues. And I wouldn't be surprised if he picked exactly the same team again, to be honest. I guess there's always that Martinelli or Smith throw option on the left. Uh, but Martinelli had a really, really good game today. He was looked really, really dangerous. So I'm not really sure why, you know, he would get dropped. And I personally think it's kind of like what I said before. I think you go to Spurs and you win. I know we don't need to, but it it really does kind of send a bit of a message and it's a statement win and it's a, it is a historic win. And I don't mean to exaggerate it by saying, you know, it's the same as winning the league there in 2004 or anything like that, but it is a statement win, you know, securing champions league football at White Hart Lane or at whatever Tottenham Hotspur stadium. That's massive. That's absolutely massive. And um, I think they'll, I think Marteta and the players will be absolutely itching to do it. So yeah, I think, I think we go there and take the game to them and basically prove that we're better than them. But that, but but on the face of it, like kind of emotions aside, you sort of think a home game against Leeds, who are who are battling relegation, versus an away game at um, you know Tottenham, who under Conte, you know, battling for top four. Uh, they're very, very, very different games. But you, you know, you're, you're suggesting we just well, what we keep the same side, and there's no tactical tweak needed. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I know, that, I know, we set up quite differently against Chelsea. And we were talking about this, was it a was it a back five or not? But after that, the United game and the West Ham game, we played a we played a back four, right? Mm-hmm. Um and you know, we we hit four past United. I don't yeah, I don't really see I just I don't know. I I think it depends like we're not playing City or Liverpool on the weekend uh, on Thursday, sorry. So, you know, we're playing a team that essentially are below us in the league, and I think he has to approach it. Um, with the kind of mind mindset, the mentality that we go there and we try to win the game, and I think you can only you, you do that by putting out your best your best eleven, and the the you put you you go tactically with what you're familiar with and what's been working the last few games. So, yeah, that's that's so. Mike, let me let me put it to you. Right, you, we obviously know um, Son's going to be there on the right hand side, right? Mm. Um, against Cedric, well, our right hand yeah. side, no, our yeah, our right against Cedric. Mm. Would you? Would you rather have Tommy Asu there, or would you would you leave Cedric there and then keep? But then you've got Kulusevski on the other side, and so then do you saying you play Tavares on Kulusevski? I'd be more worried about that than I am again uh, than I am about Son on Cedric, personally. Okay, like fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost feel like he played Tommy Asu there today as a bit of a a trial ahead of Thursday. Yeah. Um, to say like, could this work? Um, it sounds like, you know, I think there were, there were reasons he did it today and we'll talk about that later on, but I think 
this was very much a could this work ahead of Thursday. And I think the fact that it gets the better out of Martinelli is probably a big reason to to go with it because, you know, when Tavares is there, he's going up and down the wing and he's kind of in Martinelli's space and then and then Martinelli has to kind of come in, come inside. But because Tommy Asu is not really a, a touchline you know, runner, it just meant that, you know, Martinelli can hog that touchline and then just go out wide. And we saw today, like, how many balls out wide he got and how often he just kind of drove towards... Um, it drove out wide and drove towards the byline, the kind of byline, and, and get those crosses in. And I think that was really effective. And I, yeah, I think if we want, if we are going to take the game to them, you kind of you put Tommy Asu on the left. If we're more worried about them, you probably say, well, let's put Tommy Asu on the right. Hmm. Let's talk about Tommy Asu for a little bit because there was um, there was a couple of pundits on on social media who were talking about. Um, Tomiyasu and how he reminds them a little bit about of Aspilaqueta. And if you look at Aspilaqueta over the last however many years at Chelsea, they've had lots of defenders come in and out in left back, center back, right back, etc. But a lot of people would say that he's consistently been just their best defender, you know, pound for pound, just their best defensive player. Um as Pilaqueta's been over, you know, over a number of years, his versatility, his ability to drop in any position. And I heard someone say today on you know on, on social media is Tomiyasu almost the new Aspilaqueta. You know he's just this player who seems to just be a really really good footballer, uh, a really talented defender. And today we saw him play left back for the first time in his Arsenal career. Um, his second start since coming from a you know pretty pretty annoying long mediumish term injury, should we say right? But he, he plays left back for the first time against. Rafinha, who is apparently linked with all kinds of teams, and Rafinha is meant to be half decent, and you know is 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 allegedly going to go for a lot of money. And Rafinha was made to be a complete irrelevance today. The most relevant thing Rafinha did today was complain about the red card and get a yellow card in the process. He did nothing else. He was completely nullified by a guy playing left back for the first time in his Arsenal career. Um, I mean, can we just maybe take a, a second to applaud? You know, because I mean, <laughs> it was that good. It was so. It was so it was. good. Um, I mean, Mice, talk to me about Tommy Asu. Yeah, I mean, look, when he went out of the team uh, a couple of months ago, whatever it was, um, we obviously we knew it'd be a massive downgrade to go to Cedric. And to be fair to Cedric, he's he's been okay. Like he's not been excellent, but he's been relatively solid. But you've seen. Tommy Asu coming back in the team, kind of what we've missed. And he's not a spectacular player, as Aaron has said, you know, he doesn't, he's not like a a, a fullback that bombs forward at every opportunity. Um, but at the same time, he, he's one of these players that you kind of, you almost don't notice how good he is unless we obviously go, you know, when we go to the games, you kind of watch certain players um, for periods of the game and you start to see kind of how important he is uh, f- for us. And, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. He just come out of nowhere, and uh, he he just seems like he's just settled in so quickly, and he just seems like a very, very high quality, high quality defender. And you know, and again, we were talking about this in the pub. But I can't remember which one of you guys made the point. You know, he's very, very good aerially, so he gives us that option if we need to go long, and you know, the ball needs to go far left, far right, depending on which side he is, and he normally wins most of his aerial duels as well. Um, and yeah, like 
yeah, I mean, look, hopefully he just stays fit for the rest of the season. I'm not really sure kind of what else there is to say about him. You covered it quite well, Raj. But yeah, he's um yeah, yeah, he's been fantastic since he's come back in the last couple of games. Well, Aaron, do you think it's almost like it's almost a credit to the team? The fact that he, you know, has been that talented a player. He came in the team, he won player of the month a few times. Um, and then gets his injury during this really crucial part of the season, but we managed to survive without him somehow. Um, is this kind of one of those, you know, him coming back in the team, is that the boost that we've needed? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I echo what he says, what you, both of you guys have been saying. I absolutely love the guy. Um, like for me, the biggest surprise has been about like how good he is in the air. Like he, he just wins. He seems to win every aerial deal that he, he's in. And, you know, when when we signed him, I don't think any of us thought this is a guy that's going to be like an aerial beast. But you know, he is. He's he's very good, and he's also good on his feet, and he's good positionally. He's good. He can use both feet, and and yeah, I think I think the system Arteta really wants is like one one fullback who kind of stays put, one more like defensively minded fullback, and then you've got ideally Kieran Tierney on the left who kind of goes up and down the wing, or at least can can do that and then you know we've talked about this before where it kind of you have the fullback tuck in and form a back three and that allows the kind of other players to do more advanced you know attacking take up more advanced attacking positions um but at the moment it was a bit weird because you know we had Tavares and then we had Cedric who both kind of pushed up and that wasn't ideal um and now we have Tommy Asu there. I think it probably helps. And we saw it again today where Cedric took up some quite advanced positions up on the other side. So I think naturally it's it'll be really good if we can get Ben White, Tommy Asu back playing together. Because I think those two work well together. At least they did previously. And yeah, I think generally, you know, not just the Tommy Asu injury, but I think the biggest success story of this last kind of month or two months at least, has been how we've managed to recover and get back control of some kind of like footballing system despite the injuries. So, you know, we lost Partey, we lost Tommy Asu for a bit, we lost Tierney. And at that point, we started losing games as well. And it looked like things were going to spiral out of control. But credit to Arteta and credit to the players, we've managed to figure out an efficient way of playing that doesn't completely cripple our attack or our defence. Yeah, we we have definitely started conceding more goals, and that's downside. But generally, we've we've managed to look good and start winning games again, and that's that's been really good. Yeah, we've been saying all really positive things so far, right? Because you know we did win, and um, and it was it and, and results are all that matters, right? Um, but you know, the the you know, I think it's 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 it would be remiss to not comment on the fact that there is cause for concern after a game where we were two 0 up so early, um, leads were all over the place. Really, they were like completely destroyed. Um, get a man sent off, so we're two 0 up, playing against ten men halfway through the first half. On paper, there's no reason why we shouldn't be going on to win four, five, six nil. Let's be honest. Um, but in the end, we were hanging on for a win. You know, we we only won two one, um, and yeah, it'd be it'd be wrong to say that there's not there's nothing concerning about that. I mean, my is like, does that worry you going into kind of the final games, regardless of the points? You know, we we talked about kind of just momentum and just dressing rooms and how they feel. Like, 
Tottenham surely would have watched us today and sort of thought, oh, geez, yeah, even with 11 versus 10, they were all, they, you know, they barely scraped a win. I mean, do, do you have, do you, are you concerned? I'm not really because we're so close to the end of the season. So being completely honest, if we were, if we, if this was like December or whatever in the middle of the season, then yeah, absolutely. I think as Aaron has said right at the start, it just comes down to getting the results and we know exactly how many points we need to get. We know what we need to do to kind of achieve the goal for this season. So it doesn't worry me massively. I guess the thing that we need to fix uh, for next season or uh, improve on, and you kind of compare us to say the teams above us and the elite teams is like, yeah, when we were two nil, as you were saying, Raj um, and yeah, with, with 11 men or not, even with 11 men, we were absolutely dominating that game. Um, There were chances there uh, and you just have to get the third goal. When they go to, down to 10 men, you absolutely have to get the third goal and just kill the game off. And then you've got a game in sort of four days or five days, whatever. You can start taking players off um, in the second half and kind of rotating a bit and giving people a break. And we weren't able to do that because we just never got that third goal and killed the game off. And I guess that's what the Liverpools and the Man Cities do do. Um, so that's the improvement, I think, for next season to kind of try and get us to the next level is, is you know, killing games off where we're absolutely dominating. And I think that will come, right? I think that will come because we ha- obviously have, we obviously have the quality and we have the players. And I guess, you know, um, a very, very good striker would, would help with that. Not necessarily today because Eddie was obviously good today and he did, did the business. But, you know, in other games, there are times where, you know, either balls are going into the box, there's no striker in the box or we're missing chances, whatever it is. Obviously a striker that gets 20 goals a season or, or more will definitely help with that. But yeah, I think for me right now, it, it it's almost like, yeah, like you just you just take the three points and you you move on to the next game with three games to go. Um, I don't think, I mean, like, I, yeah, I'm not really sure Spurs will look at it and be, I think Spurs would just been praying that we dropped some points and we didn't and they'll be pissed off about that basically. Um, yeah. so, so you know, so it doesn't give you any concern. You know, we've got these three games coming up, and you, like you say, it's not that many. Um, and I suppose if you look at kind of our recent our recent history over the last five six games, you probably couldn't have predicted <laughs> any kind of pattern of results that mm. that have that have kind of happened afterwards. But do, I mean, do you, it, let's just say, for example, if, if if Arsenal don't win in the North London derby, and let's just say if it's a draw, or let's just even say it's a loss. Um, even if it's a loss, in theory, on points, Arsenal are still in the driver's seat. Arsenal need to just, if Arsenal still win their two games after that, Arsenal go through. Um, but has this result today kind of, I don't know, has that given you any doubt on on kind of the ability this to for, for Arsenal to maybe kind of respond to anything but a victory in the North London derby? I think if we lose the North London derby, that, that could change the whole. I mean, then the pressure comes back onto us to us, you know, to a certain degree, and then it, then it is about how do we deal with that? And we have a tough, tough away game up at Newcastle on a Monday night, and you know the whole. We know exactly what St James's Park is going to be like. Um, so that, yeah, that that does change things. I'm not saying I'm necessarily concerned based on today's result. I'd be just be concerned if the fact that, of the fact that we've we've lost the North London derby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why, yeah, I mean, look, that's why I think it's just imperative. We just don't lose it. We just yeah. absolutely can't lose it. As long as we don't lose it, then yeah, nothing changes really. We go there 
if we if we can just if we get a point three would be amazing obviously then it's done but if we get a point it's still in our it's obviously still in our hands even if we lose but we still got that buffer four four points with two games to go you'd have to be an absolute collapse to not to not do it from there so yeah it's just all about not losing on thursday for me yeah, you mentioned that today was a you know a case where the striker did do the business. So just talking about Eddie a little bit, um, you know, he, we've 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 touched every episode for the last few episodes. We've we've talked very positively about him, and rightfully so. Even the games he hasn't scored, but today he's playing against the team that he went on loan to, and he, he scored goals off the bench, but they never really gave him too many opportunities to start um, because they preferred Bamford. It's quite a similar story to a season at Arsenal in some respects, right? Like you know, he's there, he's 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 begging for a start and and not getting it, and now he's he started getting it. He started putting the results, and you know, he's played against Leeds today. Um, so it's kind of a he's sending a message to two teams: his current team and and the team that kind of you know didn't didn't give him those opportunities at all. And he scored twice in twelve minutes or whatever. Um, I mean, Aaron, and like, is it? It's it's obviously most touched upon the fact that you know we have benefited greatly from squad players kind of coming and stepping up or whatever. Um, it's a little bit more than that with Eddie, though, isn't it? Because he's someone who's also playing for his future. Is it is it got to the point of like two goals today, and you know he was just magnificent, right? You know, in in the first half especially. I mean, is he someone that we really need to be putting a revised contract offer on the table and just doing whatever we can? to keep him purely from a continuity sake, from a, here's a revitalized player's sake, from a, you know, whatever you want to call it sake. Is this, is this a different scenario now than it was before? I don't know, man. I, (laughs) I, this might be a bit controversial. And I, I I think the only re like he's doing okay. He's obviously done well, right? You look at the two goals he scored today. Lacazette doesn't score those goals. Mm. Um, first one, Lacazette's not closing down the keeper like that. And the second one, I think he he was involved quite early on in the move yeah. with some build-up play. And then he, he basically legged it and got into the box and then finished it well. Lacazette, A, doesn't get into the box. And Lacazette probably doesn't usually finish it well either. Um, but, and that's great. I just, like, yeah, you can say, like, would, would I be happy keeping him the squad? Yeah, of course. I think... We're we're gonna need three, probably at least three or four strikers. You know, I think a good top team has four strikers, but I think realistically we'll probably have three strikers. And would I be happy with him being the, like one of them? Yeah, of course. I think you know he's a an academy player. He's come through. I'd love to see him do well. But I I, I think you put any decent striker in in this team and they score goals. Um, I haven't seen anything. And I know we shouldn't compare, but it, it's not like when Saka came through. It's not like when Smith Rowe came yep. through. It's not like when Martinelli came through, where you're like, these are players that are going to be in our first team in a year. Mm. I think Eddie is doing the basics that a striker should be doing, but I've not seen him say, I've not seen him do something and think, wow, like we have a player there. And he could get there. I just I don't think he'll be happy with a squad role. I think that's the that's the thing. Like would he would I be happy to keep him as a squad player? Yes, but would he be happy with that? Probably not. And I think that's why he hasn't signed the contract. And then the question is, are you giving him 20, 30 games a season next season? And I I if that's the case, I don't think that's he's good enough. 
But you could, you know, we, we we've been talking about Gabriel Jesus a little bit offline. We've not we've not had a proper <laughs> conversation, but but you know, squad role. I mean, do you not think that he could, in some ways, be the Gabriel Jesus of Arsenal to what Gabriel Jesus is no. of City, in the sense that no. you know, someone who is nowhere near good enough. Well, he's not like you know, as in as in as in my point is, you know, Gabriel Jesus has not been uh, Man City's main striker ever. Like he's not even been like a you know a, necessarily a a first name on the team sheet in any position, but he gets lots of games and lots of minutes because he's a really useful player who you know he, he understands the system well, who has got a, you know a lot of really good movement, a lot of good things about him. Has Eddie not kind of established himself in in that way? Like Hayes is just a better player, though, right? Like yeah, I, I, sorry. So I'm talking about just as a role in the squad more so than as a role in the squad. Like, I think. And surely he will get minutes. Yeah, if he's a third striker. Yeah, if he's if he's a third striker, I think. Would you want him as your Champions League squad third striker? Yeah, as a third striker. Because I think I think that I think the opinion because I think we talked about this just when he came into the team or when he was getting sub appearances when we were losing those games and the opinion was probably quite different then, wasn't it? From you guys. Yeah, 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 definitely. So it has changed. Okay, right. It's my opinion. He's gotten. He's yeah, yeah. He's he's shown that he can do it. Like before that, before he started going on this run, he he'd never really done it in any league game. But he hadn't really had a um, league games, I guess, right? So he hadn't had a run, but when he yeah, but when he's had those sub appearances, he hasn't really. And I know he's very young, and I think you there aren't that many strikers of his age doing it in the Premier League, right? So it's a very high bar. But yeah, so would I keep him as a third striker in you know a, a Champions League Arsenal, even a Europa League Arsenal? Yeah, but does would he be happy with that? No, I think he's the type of player that wants to be starting Premier League games every week. And I reckon you probably agree with me, but I don't think he's that guy to be leading the line for us in the first game of next season. But at the same time, like, you know, he's not going to get a he's not going to get a contract at a Champions League club to be a kind of starting striker, right? So isn't the question for him is do I want to be a squad player at a team who's playing in the Champions League or or Europa League versus a first team player at a squad who doesn't play in Europe? And you know, so I I think he's made his mind up, and I think he wants the latter. Is my I mean opinion. the thing is right if we get Champions League, the the potential uplift that he can get in his contract offer from the club, like there basically might be more money on the table for him because we've got Champions League football. If we really do actually want to keep him. I mean, at the end of the day, he might. But then, do you think he's 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 making his decision on money, or is he making it on minutes? It's got to, it's got to be a factor. Well, it's right? it's got to be a factor. But um, yeah, look, I think it's an interesting one. I I I wonder if he's waiting to see where we like because yeah, like you said, Raj, it, it must be quite difficult to walk away from. You know, if we do get Champions League, he's at he's in London. He's at a, you know a big big club or a massive club. We're now kind of entering a period where hopefully we're going to, if we get the Champions League this season, if not next season, then we carry on sort of finishing in the top four and then progressing and kind of pushing back to where we used to be. He surely will look at that and think, yeah, like you say, if he leaves, he's not going to, he's basically dropping down the table by like 10 places or whatever. He's dropping down to mid table if he stays in the Premier League. So um, yeah, you could get all the games you want, but you know, it must be quite. It's probably going to be quite frustrating playing for a mid-table team where you're not going to get as many chances. You're not going to be playing with as high-quality players as we've got it. You know, behind him, um, so you might look at it like that and think, "I'll take you know 
a bumper pay rise um, to play you know, a second fiddle role or, you know, kind of a rotation role. I mean, this is the thing, right? Most teams play one striker up top. There's not room in the squad for three strikers really, is there? So, yeah. Um, I mean... I think... Yeah, sorry, mate. No, I was just going to say, I think... Like, uh, to clarify, I think there's no downside in us giving him a new contract. No. And we've been like, offering him one, yeah. right? So that's not so, a, a debate. It's about, I think, like, the, the the level of contract we offer him, the terms of the contract, and, you know, how we can convince him to stay if we want him to stay. Yeah, and I don't think we should give him a ridiculous contract, but I think you're right, Myers. If we get Champions League, then there is scope to, you know, maybe give him an extra 10, 20 grand a week, just if that's what it is. But but, but I, don't, I don't think... I think he's... He's like he's basically like what you said, Raj. I think he's basically weighed it up. Say, do I want to be a third choice striker for a big team and get cup games, get Euro- European games, come on as a sub when there's injuries, I'll play and try and push myself that way, or do I think I'm good enough to be starting week in week out in the Premier League for a a top ten team, a top a Premier League team, right? Any any Premier League team. And also, I think he's probably, his agents probably had a word and said, well, if you leave on a free, you can probably get good money at one of these Premier League clubs because they're not paying 15, 20 million to get you. Mm. So I I think he's made his mind up. Um, and I think he's felt a bit let down by the past because we've obviously, it sounds like we've given him promises of like minutes and those minutes have never materialized. And up until very recently, and I think he's, yeah, I think he's on his way out, which is a shame, but it it is what it is. But am I am I worried that we're going to lose, uh, you know, a top top striker? No, like he could be a, a become a top top striker in four or five years, but I don't think in the next three years he's going to be a you know a Champions League level striker. Yeah, okay. I think I think if he leaves, I could see him at like West Ham, for example, mm. like another London club. They desperately need strikers in their squad. They can't rely on Antonio. Um, you know, they're kind of at the level that he probably feels like he could play at, you know, kind of sixth, seventh, eighth place type team and probably quite an attractive option for him. So he's still very young, isn't he? And that's the thing. He could he like strikers at that age who are scoring 15. There aren't strikers at that age scoring 15, 20 goals in the Premier League. So the question is, will he hit that level at 26 27 or even 25 and do we have the patience does he have the patience to stick it with us or does he want more sooner and i think he's made his mind up and he says he wants more sooner yes yeah, so, so you know i think we all agree there, there's 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 a lot of talent there he's doing some really good things now um he's probably not like top level world class at the moment another 23 year old who we should ask that question about right now martin odegaard uh I mean, look, in, in my opinion, he's he's our best player, I would say, right now. Um really? I think in my my personal opinion is I think he's 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 just a super talent. He's just such a leader on the pitch and he's so integral to everything good that we do with the ball. Um and today, even though I think that there are some probably some negatives that I don't know if we even want to explore today with the team of performance, we may want to touch on. I mean, the, you know, again, I, I still think it's catastrophic in some ways that you can kind of make a game uh, as difficult as we did today after being 2-0 up and, you know, playing 10 men. Um, 
I still think throughout that the whole game, the one person who was playing at a world class level was Odegaard. The biggest compliment I can pay him is I think that he gets into Liverpool and Man City's team. That's the biggest really? compliment I can I can give him. Yeah, I mean, okay, look, and I say that in the sense that Man City and Liverpool are both teams who, you know, they change their team around for you know their opposition or whatever. I'm not saying he starts every single game, but I think that he's good enough to play for those teams. I mean, Aaron, I'll go straight to you because it feels like there's maybe an element of is there something that you disagree with from what I'm saying? Or no, no, I mean, I think that like, he's quality. I love him, but that's just a big statement, isn't it? <laughs> that he gets into Man City or. A Liverpool team. I mean, like Liverpool don't really play with a player like him as much. And then, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's not. I don't think you're suggesting he's going to displace Kevin De Bruyne no, anytime no. soon. It's more about but... the the quality <laughs> of player that those clubs look for. I think he's of that quality. He's just a top footballer, isn't he? That's basically it. And you know, the thing I like about Odegaard is the story behind it. Like, you know, the fact that it, he went to Madrid really early, it didn't really work out. He then came to us on loan where he kind of sort of found his feet and then realized that actually this is a place that I can make, like, that I can call home. Mm. And that I can, like, I've been this kid that's kind of been shipped around from left to right, never really settled. And he's realizing that potential that he failed to realize or that other clubs failed to realize in him. I think you'd probably say it that way. Um, and, you know, everything you read about him just sounds like he is a top professional very humble, very modest, but at the same time is, you know, captain of his country and could be a, you know, a future captain at Arsenal for, you know, if everything goes well, like how old is he now? 22, 23? Three. Like if everything goes well, we're talking about our captain for the next 10 years. Like that's pretty crazy. Um, so, but yeah, let's not hype him up too much. I think, I think he... Yeah, he's just silky. He fits into that team well. His link up with Saka is very good. And I just hope, and that's the good thing about all of these players, is that next season, Champions League or no Champions League, they're going to be better. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're on the road to seeing what these players could become. And that's the part that really excites me about him and a number of our players. Yeah, Mike, so you've been saying it, right? For like a number of weeks, you've been saying that you know, whenever we play compliments to Odegaard, you know, you sort of always say that he's a player who other fans of other clubs who don't watch Arsenal for 90 minutes every week probably don't realise yeah. or don't see it. Um, and you, you're probably still true, even after today's game. I don't, I, again, I don't think he's the sort of player that even today's performance, unless you watch him for 90 minutes, you probably don't realise how good he is. Mm. Uh, but do you think that, to Aaron's point, if we in the summer go bring in more top quality players do you think that suddenly we see an even better Odegaard probably and I think the key one for there is you know the key kind of addition would be obviously a striker right a guy through the middle um who makes the right runs uh, is able to finish um and there's hopefully a link up between you know our number 10 and Odegaard and, and the striker I mean look it's quite interesting what Aaron was saying because I kind of feel quite strongly about him like you do Raj in terms of how good he is and um, it's not just how good he is but yeah I think you may, you may have said it how integral he is to to the way that we play and when you, as soon as you take him out of the team you do you notice massively um, the kind of connection between central midfield and the attacking players 
pretty much goes and like Aaron and you were saying like let's not hype him up too much I think we absolutely should be like hyping him up massively because I think I think it like yeah I, I I've said it before like you said Raj I think he's really 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 underrated and I think it could be because his stats aren't great and people love to look at stats and then compare him to like oh look at De Bruyne and look at I don't know like Fernandez or whoever um whoever and and start saying yeah you know these other players have got you know better stats better goals better assists but I think, yeah, he's the kind of player that you, if you like football, you know, the used to say it's about Ozil, Ozil, right? If you if you love football and you watch him for 90 minutes, you realise how important, important he is to the way that we play. You see how everything, literally everything goes through him. Um, all of our kind of attacking play, he comes across to the, to the left-hand side, to the right-hand side, sorry, links up well with whoever's playing right back and links up well with Elneny, links up well with Saka. And um, yeah, it would just be nice to see that kind of, if he could, if he could add a few more goals, I don't think he necessarily needs to add the assist because I think he always gets the pre-assist basically. So it doesn't really matter. He's always there creating anyway, but I think if he can add a few more goals to his game, which I think will come, um, that will just, you know, I guess the top, top players, that's what they do. Like they get, you know, the top mid attacking midfielders, they get 10 to 15 plus goals a season. Um, and if he can start doing that, then maybe he might start getting a bit more recognized. But I think from how we set up and how um, Arteta wants us to play, basically, um, yeah, we've got like the perfect, perfect player in that position. And yeah, so just, I think we're really, really lucky that we got him for such a bargain. Pretty bargain, much. absolutely yeah. bargain. You need, you need players, right? Like I think for to be, for us to be a top team, you need players who play well, um, who step up when maybe the rest of the team aren't. And, you know, and let's look, if we think about some of the goals that he scored this season, he's not scored that many, but there's just three off the top of my head. Brighton, Everton, Man United away. We lost all those games but he scored in each of those games, right? He's someone who steps up whether we're playing well or whether we're not playing well. Today was a game where for, for some bizarre bloody reason, we decided to not play very well, like for a large portion of that game. But I feel like if it wasn't for him, things could have got a lot worse. Um, I, I, can I just evolve onto that slide? I don't want to talk too much about it because I feel like, you know, it may be just a result of nerves or, or, or whatever, but um, Aaron and like just with Arsenal today, again, 2 nil up, we're playing against 10 men and to to make such hard work of it, whose fault was it? Who, what, what was the <laughs> issue? Can you like make any sense of that? I think it's, this team just hasn't really been in that position. I, I was thinking today, when was the last time we played against a team that had 10 men? Um I don't know. Has it happened this season? It must have done. But um, just generally, I think that this is like a very young team and a lot of this, these situations that you get in games, like being in a run-in, playing against 10 men, holding a lead when you go into uh, a 2-0 lead and just killing it off. Those situations just haven't really happened to us. And I think you know one of the the observations from this season generally is we haven't really been in a position where we have killed those games off because a lot of our games have been one nils, two ones where we've either come from behind or just tried to, you know, we've got a, a winner in the you know second half or something like that. And we've not really killed games. And you're right. We absolutely need to learn to kill these games off because not only does that, you know, for our nerves just makes us feel better, but 
then we could start thinking about like resting players and taking them off and then maybe they don't get injured in the next game and stuff like that but who whose fault was it today i think i think it just it was one of those where we really lacked experience in attack um so you know we talked about Erdegaard right but we had Saka we had Enketia we had Martinelli I think what I really would have wanted from one of those players and what I will expect from these players to do going forward when they are a bit more experienced is say okay like it's 2-0 or even 2-1 when we're you know struggling a bit and said I'm going to take this game into my own hands and I'm going to win get a goal and then just shut this game down Mm. and I don't think I still think there's a little way to go for all of them where they just aren't super clinical yet and they don't have that maturity or that that ability to I don't want to say the ability to step up because they have stepped up right some of these kids have been carrying our team for so long but to just say right this is done um this game is over and you know, the way we've kind of done that in the past, we've kind of killed games through defense in the way that, you know, we've brought Rob Holding on and we've said, you're not scoring. Yeah. And we're sitting on this one goal lead. Or, you know, we've we've seen games out in de- like by defending well, and that's cool. Mm. But what we also need to do is see games out by attacking well and saying, you know, our defense might not be on it today, but you're not scoring. I mean, we've we scored three goals, so it doesn't matter what our defense does, and we haven't really learned how to do that yet. This is—I'm going to be a little bit provocative, right? Does any of this make you question how allegedly talented some of our young attacking talents are? I'm not saying they're not talented, um, but but if we look at it in relativity, right? The Champions League has been on over the last couple of weeks. Real Madrid have somehow powered their way to the final, right? And you had. Vinicius Jr., who throughout this kind of campaign, like especially in the knockout phases, has like done some incredible things and been really decisive in big moments against big teams. You had Rodrigo, um, who scored those couple of goals against Man City to, you know, effectively knock him out, really, right? Um, and they're around the same age as people like Martinelli. Um, and I think that you know, we all as Arsenal fans over like a couple of years have been looking at players like Martinelli, like like Smith Rowe, Saka, etc., and and being like these are like truly world class talents. Are they world class talents? If you know, really, they are. Let's just take Martinelli as an example. You know, he's still not really deciding games on a consistent, it's even semi consistent basis. Um, I mean, my any thoughts on that? Am I being a bit harsh? No, it's a no. I don't. I don't think you are being harsh i think you're just comparing where we are now against the what like what the bar is essentially you know the very very top level you talk about like the champions league finalists la liga winners um the the team that you know everyone wants to go and play for in terms of like european tradition and history so they obviously can attract the best young players from like south america and spain or wherever else so i don't think it's um yeah i mean it's a fair point but i think I think that if we get there, if we do get to the Champions League, it's I, we're going to have to obviously we're going to have to like the recruitment kind of standard essentially, or the expectation from recruitment and from the transfer window just goes up a notch. Where the players that we bring in have to kind of supplement what we've got already, but at the same time, I I, I would I would hope that we're going to bring in players that can just do it from 
like day one, if that makes sense. I don't know if that really makes sense, but we're bringing in top quality players. And then you kind of almost take the pressure off some of the younger guys. They still need to deliver and still need to perform, but I think they're still also developing essentially. Um, I, the Martinelli one's an inter- interesting one though, because yeah, like he's just one of the players that you love as an Arsenal fan, you love and we rave about him and, you know, Klopp raves about him, for example. So obviously he's kind of admired around the Premier League, but at the same time, you do sometimes get, like he had a really good game today and I can't remember who, was it Ailing he had against yeah, him yeah. today? But he had him on toast up until he got sent off and whoever he played against after that, he had him on toast as well. So he was, you know, he was get he was getting to that byline, um, getting crosses in. He was very dangerous. He pretty, But at the same time, that kind of cutting edge, that clinical you know, a chance comes and I'll take it or I get a couple of chances and I take one. Kind of like what Son does, for example, for Spurs. You know, he's got 20-odd goals, 20-odd Premier League goals this season. That's the kind of next level for players like him. I think with Saka, he's doing it. I don't think you can question Saka's numbers. I don't think you can question Saka's impact on the game. I don't think you can question Saka's kind of mentality, you know, considering what happened to him in the summer. He's come back this season and had his, has, has had his best season in terms of everything, you know, numbers and just performances. Um, and I think Smith Rowe's been in and out of the team, but and I think Erdegaard, we talked about him. I think Martinelli is probably the one where next season you I think the expectation on him is to, yeah, step up a notch. And like today, I was a little bit disappointed with a couple of his finishes, to be honest. And I think there was one he was out wide. He probably should have crossed not out wide, he was sort of at a bit of an angle and he should have crossed it and he had a shot. I think Melier saved it. There was that one where he chested it down and hit it on the volley or half volley and he hit it over down our end in the north bank. And I thought he should really hit the target there. And it's kind of those those chances that seem to be passing him by where I think he needs to, yeah, get to that next level and 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 then then we'll see. But yeah, I think to compare compare these guys to say Real Madrid, Liverpool. It's where we want to get to, but mm. I'm not sure it's fair when we've not even been in Europe this season, you know. Yeah, f- fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, look, guys, uh, you know, win's a win, whatever. Like, I think that's all we really <laughs> care about at the moment, right? Like, and next season and next summer, yeah, there'll be lots of stuff to think about. Uh, we've got Tottenham on Thursday. It's the biggest game of the season. It's like, it's usually big. It doesn't even matter if it, there's nothing to play for, right? Like, mm. It's what Arsenal fans care about. It's what Tottenham fans care about. It's the first North London derby at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium since fans have been allowed back in the stadium. So it's the first opportunity that Arsenal fans have got to go to that stadium. And it's a game where it's probably the most important... There's there's probably never been a North London derby where more has ridden on this. Uh, Mize, you sort of... You know, you, you mentioned kind of the days when some of these big games used to settle titles for Arsenal and it's not quite that, um, but it's still seismic in terms of what it could mean for the clubs. Yeah. Arsenal winning at, in the North London derby at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this Thursday means that Arsenal will be in the Champions League next season for the first in a number of kind of, you know, years. Um, it means that Tottenham, Tottenham, I mean, I was about to say won't be, I, I don't know if it still means that could Chelsea still kind of, I don't think they could catch Chelsea either, right? Like, maybe, maybe like, you know, that's. Uh, they could. Yeah, they're five points off them. So they, yeah, I mean. Very good. But, very good. Um, yeah, so basically, the point is it's huge. It's massive. It's it's just, it's it's huge. And, yeah. 
Yeah, me and you are lucky enough to go. I mean, like, not to rub it in, Aaron, and like, we, 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 we're, we're, we're lucky enough to go. We're gonna. Uh, <laughs> you haven't mentioned. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> By the way, we're going actually on Thursday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, what, what, okay, let's predict, guys. Um, Aaron, and let me go to you first. What do you think is going to happen on Thursday? Two two. Wow. Um, I think. I just think the game will be chaos, basically. I think it will be one of those where, you know, we, we're a young team, right? And we we will have our ups, we'll have our downs. And I think we'll see probably the best and the worst of us in that game, in the fact that this is a very inexperienced team that will probably be a bit nervous, a bit scared. But also, like you said earlier, we do have these world-class talent, talented young players who could at any moment just do something world-class. Or at least, you know, maybe not win it from scratch, but or win it from nothing, but come together to do something really good. And I think that will get us through. At the same time, we'll probably see the best and worst of Tottenham. So, I mean, the best is, you know, those, those two blokes that they have that seem to love scoring. Um, and But that that's kind of it with Spurs. But I also think we'll see the worst of Spurs, which is a team that went under pressure just don't handle it well at all and you know will they step up i don't know i think i think you know we always give them a good good game at you know when we play them and i know when we go there we often struggle a bit and you know but i think i think we'll have enough and i think we'll we'll get a draw somehow um and then it'll be on to those last two games to see if we can get a win. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I think I can see, I can see a draw as well. Um, it's very hard to predict a North London derby always. It's just a bit, always a bit of a mental game. I think our record at the new stadium, at the old stadium, I don't, it's been pretty poor recently. Um, yeah, we haven't, we haven't won there in a while, have we in the league? I think so I think it's been ages actually. Um, not that that necessarily, ha- you know, it's a different team now, I guess. Like, so maybe it doesn't mm. even have too much of a bearing on, on the game on Thursday. But look, I think, um, I think when you've got, yeah, like Aaron said, when you've got Kane and Son in your team or, or we're playing against them, you just can't really, <sighs> you've probably got to expect the worst. And Kane, they both tend to score against us. So I'm not, I'm not expecting us to keep a clean sheet. I'm, yeah. And I, yeah, I just I can see kind of both teams almost cancel each other out and it being a like yeah, like a two two type of game. Um which to be honest, if that's how it ends up, it's gonna be like I, I don't know how we're gonna deal with it to be honest, because it's gonna be like crazy and like today was nerve wracking the last half of I'm, yeah, I, I'm already nervous thinking about it. Yeah. Um with what's on the line, I don't know how we're gonna deal with it. But um yeah, if you if we can like basically yeah, give me a draw all day long I will take it I mean it would be amazing to win there don't get me wrong you always want to beat Spurs and this one is even more there's more, even more riding on it but considering the position we're in if we can get a draw then that's that's huge with two games to go like that's massive so yeah I'll, I think I'll, I think I'll go 2-2 as well I'm going to copy Aaron's prediction I'm going to go 2-2 as well <laughs> that's interesting because the thing is based on the fact that a draw just doesn't George doesn't really help Spurs. I mean, he's not, right, right. It's obviously not as bad as losing, but I, I think it's going to be really interesting because Tottenham, it feels to me, haven't been 
haven't been that great. Like Aaron, and when you, you, you mentioned it before, I think when they've ha- played games where they're supposed to win, particularly when they're at home, I feel like that's probably when they've been at their worst, when they're setting mm-hmm. up for games that they're you know really, really trying to win at home. Um, and I wonder if that could work in our favour with kind of not a great deal to lose in some ways. Um, I think it'll be a battle of the managers, but I actually am going to go for us to win because for me, it's either us winning or them winning. And I think genuinely, like, there is a there is a good chance of both those things happening uh, because I think that... I think that we are going to try and frustrate them and maybe play them a little bit of their own game a bit. Uh, I think we're going to set up in a similar way to, to what we set up at Chelsea. So I think that we're kind of going to switch between four at the back and three at the back at various points in the game, because, you know, I think that seemed to work against Chelsea. Uh, and I'm going to go for an Arsenal 3-1 win. And I think it's going to be a case where it's not necessarily going to be like Arsenal 3 nil up or anything like that. I think it might be that, you know, it'll, it'll be one all. Um, we might get 2-1 like quite late on in the game and then Spurs will try and push and then we'll get that final kind of go. And similarly to Chelsea, you know, how we got a girl there. I, I think it's going to be a game like that. Um so that's just that's my that's just edging it over a, a Spurs win for me. Uh, so I'm going to go that partly because I probably can't. I, yeah, I, can't, right. I don't yeah. know if I can bring myself to go into the NLD, uh, you know, going there and thinking that you know we're gonna we're gonna lose. So I think I'm going to go with that one. Um, one thing, guys, what we haven't touched on. And I, I don't, you know, I think we we should probably call it on the episode because we are, you know, we, we we're getting. I think we're on the hour now. Um, is you know, Mikel, Mikel Arteta signed a new contract this week. Mm. Uh, and it's like really interesting timing, right? Because a lot of people, a lot of fans have been fairly sort of divided around, I, I wouldn't say so much around whether he's doing an, uh, an okay job, because I think it's been harder and harder for the anti-Arteta crowd to kind of have too much of a voice there with kind of, you know, where where we are right now. Although there are still voices there that, you know, are trying to be heard. But I think that there there was a question around what is success this season, and whether you know the ambition for this for the for the for Arsenal was to finish in the top four or, or not, whether the board expected us to finish top four or not. Now there are still sort of debates over that. You know, it's, it's what the board say is one thing, and and how they behave is another. And I'd say probably with that latter, we have given him a new contract before top four has been sewn up we've given him a a new contract essentially when it looked like top six was probably sewn up. Um, How significant do you think the timing is for that? And look, I'm happy about it. Are you guys happy? Uh, Aaron, go to you first. Yeah, of course I'm happy. Um, I think for me, I, I don't think there was ever a doubt about would we give him a new contract? I think it was about the timing. And like you said, I think, it sounds like the target was get top six um, this season, and I, the way I think, the way I think it happened, and this is pure speculation on my part, was: Do you remember in January where we obviously didn't buy anyone, and then I was it when Arteta went to see Kroenke, yeah, um, before the international break, I think it was. I reckon that was like there was a conversation there that was basically like, look the money wasn't there or we didn't do anything in January, but we're going to give you a big summer and there is a contract there for you if you get top six. And I think they agreed the numbers 
and both parties were happy. And then it was just a case of when we got top six, they were like, you know, you just sign and it's done. And then they just have to think about when they did it and when they announced it. Um, and you know, I don't think anyone can argue with if top six was the target, we got it. Well done to him. You know, I I was always saying that actually top six was probably a bit too low. I wanted fifth. Um, I said fifth was a minimum. And, you know, funnily enough, we've done that this weekend with Man United losing, which is also very, very funny. Um, Hilarious. And, Jeez, we know how other people. And but... yeah, we probably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um, off the cuff, let's laugh at United. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like for us to get fifth this season, I think is is a good you know, is a good, it's not outstanding, but it, it's good. If we go one higher than that, then I think there's a big, big jump from going, getting that fifth to getting fourth. And if we have bridged that gap this season, then that's outstanding. But I think fifth is, for me, a good season, regardless of what happens between now and the end of the summer and the end of the season. Mice? Yeah, yeah I mean, look, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy as well. I, similar to what Aaron has said, pretty much not in doubt. I, I don't think there was any question marks about... Um, as long as he wanted to stay, there would be a contract for him. And I think, you know, like this, is, we, we say this all the time, right? About the fans that complain Arteta out, you know, as soon as we lose a game, they're on, you know, they they kind of crawl out the woodwork and, and start putting their stuff on social media. I mean, look, what, what do people expect at the end of the day? You know, he took over a team, you know, we can go through this over and over again. He took over a team in the state that they were. He's completely reshaped the squad. He's changed the whole mentality around the club. The fans are back on side with the team and with 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 him. Um, you know, you saw it today. Like half time was mental in the concourse. When was the last time we saw the North? Like mm. any you know any home game. Forget the North Bank. Any home game where the the fans are just like it was so loud. It was so loud. I'm not exaggerating that. It was it was it was amazing. It was so good. It was just like fantastic to see and that just tells you everything like you go to a match and you see how much the fans are kind of back in love with the club as it were um you've got such a likable team likable players um and players that are really playing for the shirt now I feel whereas that wasn't the case four or five years ago whatever under the, the last few years of Wenger um so you know what do people want you know we're not going to be champions this season next season probably not for another few seasons we're not going to be winning the Champions League but you know if you see if you're seeing signs of progress and we're climbing up the table and we're playing exciting football and we're scoring goals again and it's fun to watch, you know, that's what we really want. And then if the trophies come as a result, fantastic. We're not going to stop supporting the club um, just because we don't, we haven't won the Premier League in such a long time. So yeah, like I think he's doing a fantastic job um, all in all. You can't just look at the results. You've got to look at everything, everything he's had to contend with. Um, and yeah, I, and, I, and I, like we would, <laughs> we talk about this stuff all the time off straight after the game, but we were talking about, well, what, what is Arteta's next move? And, you know, what happens in terms of the Arsenal manager position in a, sort of a few years time? And, you know, you wouldn't be surprised. They're probably already asking the question, you know, a Man City, maybe a Barcelona, maybe. I mean, look, maybe it's early days for that because he's not necessarily proved anything. But you would not be surprised if in three, four years or whatever, they're the kinds of teams that are looking like are, are going to be after him. Wouldn't be surprised at all. So, yeah, I, I think I, I, I kind of predict that, yeah, I don't know how many years he'll be with us, but there'll be a point in the next, say, 10 years, when he once he probably has left Arsenal, that we'll be looking at him thinking, 
bloody hell, he's he's done very, very well for himself at, at Arsenal and wherever he moves to next. So I think he's going to have a really good career as a manager. He's got so much about him. And um, yeah, yeah, no, very, very happy overall to summarise. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, just to, I guess to cap it off, I think it's a great message to send to the current squad and kind of any future signings that we're trying to make in the window. Uh, Arteta is the man, the board back him. We've suffered, in my opinion, in the past, in the back end of the Wenger years and during the Emery years of players thinking, I might outlast this manager and um, I, I don't necessarily have to, you know, play ball if I don't really like it and, you know, I can disrupt this is Arteta's way or the highway. He's, you know, a bit dictatorial in that way from, you know, from all kinds of reports, it's, it's his show. And the board are basically turning around and going, we back this guy's show completely. And so for me, I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, So yeah, look, all, all, all positive from, from my perspective as well. So look, um, look, let's call it there. Like massive, massive game on Thursday that we're looking forward to. Um, We're going to hopefully be recording on the Friday night after the game. And, um, my goodness, that could be a very different tone of recording depending on, you know, the result, right? Like, you know, we say that most weeks, but this, this is, this is it, right? It could, we could be recording on Friday night. We genuinely could be recording on Friday night with Champions League secured, right? Like, and it feels for a club of Arsenal size, we were used to playing the Champions League every year. So that wasn't even a thing. But, you know, it is now, it is what it is. It's the reality of it. And, you know, as much as we would rather be kind of competing for titles right now, like it's all relative, right? Look at Man United. It's the, you know, it's the biggest kind of embarrassment in Premier League history, arguably this season for them. Um, but uh, so let's, let's, you know, I guess be, be happy where we are and hopefully, hopefully we'll be, um, we'll be in a really good place on Friday. So uh, look, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, enjoy your week until the Arsenal game. Uh, Myers, Aaron, and thank you as always. Talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Cheers, bye.